Welcome back into the Short Four Saloon. My name is Joel Penfield, joined as always by Philip Slavin. What's up, man? Joel, um, we're gonna have a good show today. We are we're gonna have a fun time. We've got a topic we've been we've been putting off for a little while. Not putting off, just just waiting till we were till the season was over to really uh, really dive into. And it feels like a good beginning of the answer. Yes, I think that is that's a good way to put it. Uh, this is something that we talked about probably about a month ago uh, that we teased. Uh, thank you, uh, friend of the pod, Brian Metcalf, for the idea for this. And we're going to talk about uh, coach holders. Uh, we're, we, we went with the top 10 hires. So we made 17, and going through all 17, would be top 10 is just a little cleaner, nicer. And that's mm-hmm. what we're, we're going to go with today later on in this episode. But we were going to start out today with a, an announcement that uh, in a couple of weeks, Philip and I are, are done with this podcast, and we are, our time at CRFF is has come to a close. It is nothing against the site or any of the people, the fine people that we write and have worked with over the years, but frankly, we both have just kind of reached our end, and we feel it's time to for us to really pursue the individual projects that we that we both do. Philip doing his. 1012 show, which is so fantastic, and he's put so much work into on the side while doing this with me. And I have, I have a baseball project that I've been, it's been in the works for a little bit that I'm ready to kind of get off the ground. So I'm, you know, it, it's a little weird and a little sad thinking about, but we're, you know, it's been three, basically three full Oklahoma State sports seasons. And I think I think it's a good time to, to move on and just kind of go back to being a fan and not, not have to think too hard about being an Oklahoma, about Oklahoma State sports too much. Has it been three full years? It yep, has been three full years. 28, wow. 19, 19, 20, 20, 21. You know, you, just, you reach a point in, in life and a lot of things where you go, it, it, it feels like it might be the right time. And I, I think – you and I have talked about it and I've gone back and forth on when and, and how long. And I think once we settled on the end of this month, it felt right. Like it's one of those decisions where sometimes, you know, you've made the right decision when after you make it, you feel good about it. It doesn't mean I won't miss it. It doesn't mean I haven't enjoyed every minute of this. And it doesn't mean that I don't love OSU, <laughs> um, but you know, it's time to kind of go be a fan I mean, yeah, I do my show that focuses on Big 12, and I can be a little more of an OSU homer on there sometimes now. But um, I, I, as therapeutic as talking about Oklahoma State sports is here, uh, and it is, trust me, there, it, it, it makes me feel better after football losses to come on here and, well, one, to vent with you through text, which we'll still do anyways. Oh, yeah, but, um, yeah I expect nothing less on that. But, uh, but to come on the podcast and do so. And, and let me just say to everybody um, – it was an ominous undertaking to to pick this up where uh, Cade and Dustin had left off when they when they both left. Um, but Joel, this has been a lot of fun, you and me. Uh, we've had some good shows and some some downright 
god-awful ones. Uh, we've had some shows that were lost to the ether, never to be heard for various reasons. Um, we'll, look, we'll wax poetic about this a little bit more here in a couple of weeks. Uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. Um, we'll have a adios, cracks and beers, just let it all loose. They can't fire us because we're leaving episode. <laughs> I'm good with that. We'll, we'll have that one in a couple of weeks. We, we have a fun episode planned for next week. Fingers crossed that, that it works out. But I think, I think don't, it'll be- don't say what it is. I have learned one rule in podcasting. If you tease what you're doing, it does not work out. That is true. This, however, we have teased for multiple weeks and it is going to work out. So yes. let's just jump right in. We're going to go. 10 well, how about, let's one. take our break. Let's take the break. Let's no, get let's the go, break let's, out of the way. Do you want to do that now? Early on? Hit it. Okay. Hit, the, hit that beautiful bean footage. All right. We, we got we to gotta make some money somehow. So uh, we'll be right back after this. All right. It is time now. Just fantastic radio before the break. If you're still listening to this, God bless you. Um, maybe it is time for us to leave. We're, we're, our, intro, <laughs> our intros and transitions are getting shittier by the day. <laughs> we're going to go 10 through 1 with, in our opinion, the definitive list that is Coach Holder's top 10 hires, and this is across all sports, that we have some very uh, intriguing ones toward the top, I think, that are going to surprise some people, but I'm excited to to talk about this list here. Um, so a few things before we hop in. One, we'll put this, when this, when this podcast is out, we'll have the site tweeted out and tweet out the list so that people can add thoughts and comments on it, which I'm sure people will have no one will have any disagreement with this list whatsoever. They not, not at all. Completely not agree all. with us and be like, "Yeah, it was perfect." There's no way you could have done it any better uh, or any worse. I said it. This um, is the, this is the definitive list. Yeah, because we're the only ones that have done it. So you know, it is the definitive list. So with Holder retiring, just like us, um, here at the end of the month, come July one, uh, this seemed like a good time to do this. So I went through and and trust me, I had to do some late night research and digging. Based upon some wibbly-wobbly situations, Mike Holder during his time at Oklahoma State made 17 head coaching hires. Uh, None for football, obviously, because Mike uh, Gundy was hired the same year as Mike Holder. But earlier in the year, Mike Holder took over, I believe it was that September of... uh, The 2005? 2005. That's right. Yes, 2005. That was the year he took over. Uh, He was was hired that... He took over that September, Gundy was hired beforehand. So from then to now, he's made roughly 17 hires. There's some four in bas- men's basketball, uh, one in women's basketball, one for baseball, two for softball, none for wrestling, obviously, uh, two for men's golf, obviously both his successor and then the next guy, uh, four for women's golf. Soccer's a little wibbly-wobbly. Um, Colin Carmichael was the co-head coach for two seasons, and his first year, I believe, was the first year holder in charge, but I'm not sure when that came down, so I'm not sure he actually hired Colin Carmichael or not. So we're going to leave him off this list, which is why you'll understand he's not, because he would have been in the top five. I'm very high on Colin Carmichael. He would have been in the top five. Uh, one men's tennis coach, one women's tennis coach, and then the last one is a little bit wibbly-wobbly. He hired the men's cross-country coach, Dave Smith. The, 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 at the time, they had a men's and women's cross-country track coach who had been there for a very long time. I did not write his name down. I don't remember what it is. I'm sorry. It's, that's disrespectful. They hired Dave Smith to come in and run the men's cross-country, uh, which he did until um, I forget what year, in which case the, the at-time women's cross-country and track coach retired. He'd been there, like I said, a very long time. And Dave Smith took it all over. I'm going to count his hiring as one hire, one time, not twice to get promoted because most 
collegiate programs, men's and women's cross country and track programs are combined into one under one kind of CEO of it all or coach of it all with various assistants who help run things. So we're just going to have him as, as, as one wise. He's only on this list one time. So all that said, we come up with 17 head coaching hires. If, if someone's like incorrect, sir, you forgot about so-and-so let us know. Obviously we're going to go with the top 10 because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Like this is the worst hire that Mike Holder made. I don't feel like doing that. None of these people deserve that. So we're just going to go with top 10. All right. Starting at number 10. I will will say Philip, this is an interesting way to start this thing because I can feel the download slowly stopping right about now. Number 10. This is when they're all like, this is when they start yelling at their uh, yelling at their radio. Or, yes. <laughs> yeah. or, or whatever it is. Yes. Ro- Ro- I can, I can imagine Robert Wetzel up in the Northeast right now, just punching air at number 10. He will. Yeah. Travis Ford. Yes. Right. I did say his name. Oh yeah. Everyone just stop listening. Yes. Now. Cool. All right. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so here's the deal. Again, there's 17 hires. Um, there's some bad hires during the holder time. Or just some hires that did not work out. I like I hate dogging on like Sean Sutton, but he he he's not gonna make this list. Obviously Brad Underwood, that we're not gonna call that a good hire with how it happened. Again, there were four women's golf coaches. There's there's gotta be seven that don't make the list, and at a certain point, not everyone is your favorite. And and somebody had to be at ten. And we went through this list and there was it was kind of down to Travis Ford or Annie Thurman Young, who probably most of you don't know. She was the women's golf head coach from 2008 to 2013. She won two Big 12 titles, but she left on her own to go play a professional career. It was a very shocking move on her part, but she left. Um, she had some success, but she left. And debating between her and Travis Ford, it came down to Travis Ford, maybe because we just felt like being crazy. But let's, let's think about it this way. Yes, it was disappointing. Yes, he won one NCAA tournament game. Trust me, I remember. Um, But he had some good seasons. He made it to the NCAA tournament five times in eight years. We have Marcus Smart to thank for Travis Ford. The guy could recruit incredibly well. And no, he wasn't the best coach. And no, that 10-year contract, I I think sometimes we hold the 10-year contract against Travis Ford. And you know what? Him and his agent are the ones who got Mike Holder to fall for it. But... I think sometimes we hold that contract against Travis Ford a little bit too much. I'm so, and I think that's part of the problem. Like in hindsight, he wasn't a great coach. He wasn't a great X's and O's guys. It was really disappointing. They could never do anything in the tournament, but they won a lot of games. Um, He had some great players that we all remember very, very fondly. LeBron Nash is still on my like Mount Rushmore of OSU players I watched because no dude, especially his last season, gave did more to try and make a team win than LeBron Nash did. Um, So like it's it's tenth. We're not talking about top five. We're talking about tenth out of seventeen. I'm I'm perfectly okay with him here. Yeah, I mean, you think about some of the, the players that came through, and you you wish that when you have some of these players come through, that there could have been more to it than one NCAA tournament. But you got like Keaton Page, Marshall Moses, Michael Cobbins, uh, LeBron Nash, Phil Forte, Marcus Smart, Markel Brown, Jawan Evans. I mean, the, the list, and I'm sure that there's more that I'm that I'm forgetting. But I mean, when you think about what he was able to bring into Oklahoma State. Like there there is some fanfare. There is some cachet to some of those names. They were some of the better players in 
the conference while they were at, at Oklahoma State. And you wish it would have gone better, but it kind of is what it is. But I think it also, like, you know, like you said, there, he made 17 hires. There were only so many for us to pick from. And it was, I mean, it was not great, but not the incredible, incredible, horrible disaster like some people want to make it out to be. Like, there's some balance to it when you really think about it. I mean, I'm not trying to rewrite history. I was okay when he let, when he was finally fired. Oh, same, um, absolutely, absolutely. But it's not, it's not. I mean, there, there, there are other people who have been hired. Underwood, ah, screw it. Underwood, who we should trash more aggressively than Travis Forty. Absolutely. I, I think if we were going to number to number seventeen, I would put Underwood at seventeen. There's some other people who have not been, who've kind of been like meh. Underwood would be seventeen. So if you want to know who number seventeen would be, it would be Brad Underwood. There we go. Um, so there you go. Uh, okay, so that's number 10. Let's move on up. This list gets more interesting. Number nine. Number nine. So we got number nine, we have Jim Littell, the women's basketball coach, who is mm-hmm. the only hire he made for this particular sport. And, I mean, I, I think nine is a pretty good spot on this list. There has been some success. Women and, women's NIT championship. He did a lot with the team this year that coming into the year had incredibly low expectations. There's been a lot of ups and downs, but he's, you know, he's been a pretty, a pretty solid coach and brought in some really good players for this program. And I think they're still trending in a decent direction. It's, it's so, I mean, women's basketball is so incredibly top heavy that it's tough to predict and tough to have a ton of like incredible seasons because like there are three or four teams that are really good and everyone else is just a lot. There, there's a, such a significant talent gap. But he's still done some good things at Oklahoma State. Yeah, look. He was hired on some really difficult circumstances, obviously, after Kurt Von Key died. Um, he was promoted to be the head coach. Very emotional year where they go on to win the, NI- the WNIT. Uh, he gets the job. And then uh, you could argue he had three really good years to start off with. You know, WNIT championship, second round, Sweet 16. Um, some okay years. Um, it's been, it was rough for a few years there, honestly. And then this past season, they, they knocked it out of the park. I think he's been good at Oklahoma state. Um, I think he can recruit pretty well. Uh, I think he's a difficult guy to, to play for. I think he's demanding head coach. And I, I don't mean that in a negative way. I just, that's, that's his style of coaching. I think it's why you see some players leave. Um, he's, he's, not everyone's cup of tea, and that's perfectly okay. Everyone's different. You should you should figure out your own thing. He's 176 and 111. Um, I just he's a, he's a he's a solid hire. He's a, he makes sense at number nine. I think he he was a difficult. It was an easy decision and a difficult time to promote him. And I think it's pretty much I think it's pretty well worked out for Oklahoma State uh, uh, with with his time. Did I say was it? No, he's 195 and, and 120. Sorry, I didn't have this past season in there i have it in my notes i don't know why i didn't pay attention to that so um yeah number nine i, I don't if you want i don't think anyone's really gonna quibble with that one there no and we're sticking with the basketball theme here at number mm-hmm. eight we have mike boyd mm-hmm. and this is in no way a shot at mike boynton and i'm sure people were kind of surprised to see him at this spot in the list i bet they probably thought at this point considering some of the the, the successes with things that have gone on that he would be closer to that top five. But it is four years. We've seen one NCAA tournament win. There's been some turmoil in the program. It's There's been some weird circumstances, obviously. 
Um, and I don't think he's going to be at the bottom of the top 10 list for much longer. Like this, this is the list as I think as it sits now. We probably could see that list, him move up in this list fairly soon. We've talked a lot about the things that have gone kind of against Boynton during his time at Oklahoma State. They should have been in the NCAA tournament his first year. You know, you had two rough years. You've had a lot of players leave or get kicked off for various reasons. It's not in, not his fault. You've got an assistant coach who did what he did. You've got NCAA sanctions. It, it a lot of things have gone against Mike Boynton. Some of that's on his shoulders. He's the head coach. That's a, that's the job. But I don't think everything is his. It's not his all fault. All his fault. Um, but now that he's finally been able to build up a roster. He had a stud come in in Cade Cunningham. I know it's disappointing they only got one win, but they got a win. It's the first win since like, since Travis Ford's first season. Um, they had a really good season. They got a lot of guys coming back. It does feel like the future is bright. This is, you said it right, because I think people are going to say, well, it's Mike Boynton. It's Mike Boynton. It's the men's head basketball coach. Once we go through this list and you see and understand the accomplishments of some of the people ahead of Boynton, you will understand. And I realize that record isn't everything, but it does matter a lot. And I think I agree with you. Boynton may be eighth on this list now. If we were to do this list for the same collection of coaches in two or three years, he's going to be up significantly higher. But I think there's a pretty solid list on top of him that that is less to do with disrespect for Boynton and more to do with respect of he's – at eighth behind a list of guys and, and that are have done some some fantastic stuff at Oklahoma State. Absolutely. And now we're going to move in to the women's golf team. And one of the most recent hires that Mike Holder made in Greg Robertson. And in essentially year one, because year one for him was 2020 that was cut short. They really didn't get to play a lot. They move into 2021, de facto year one for Greg Robertson. They win, they win the conference championship, and then they go to match play for the first time in program history, program history in year one. And they, get, and they were the national runner-up. And I know it's year one. You think maybe he should be lower on this list, but to do what you do, to do, have that level of accomplishment in year one, the trajectory of the program is the stock is so, so high right now. And it would not surprise me to see consistent conference championships and regional wins as long as Greg Robertson uh, is at the helm for the women's golf team. I know it's been short. Um, and we did go back and forth here between Boynton and Robertson a lot. Um, and you're comparing four seasons versus one. And, you, and I guess two, really, because he did have three quarters of a season or half a season in his first year. But COVID did what it did. My big question for Robertson is this. It's uh, and without going and doing a ton of digging because I don't have time. How much did COVID and having potentially some players come back who might not have affected this season? I think it's a talented team. I think he's, he's brought in a lot of talent to the team. And Oklahoma State's always had a good women's golf program. It's never been great. It's never been the top one. Um, this, is just their, this was their second NCAA runner-up finish ever. Um, but they've had good golf, women's golf programs. Again, had some Big 12 titles in the past. But for him to start this way, and they've had, they've had coaches start strong and, and kind of fizzle out. I'll just I'll say that. It's, it's true. But this is a really good start. And you don't only win your Big 12 
you go into the tournament and make it all the way to the final match before just a disappointing loss to Ole Miss, which bless their sweethearts, their first NCAA championship in any sport. No, the football ones don't count that were awarded to you by whatever newspaper in the 1940s decided to give you a national championship. It's Ole Miss's only NCAA national championship, so I'll let them have one. Although I want – I also look at this as this, of, of the coaches of the women's teams. I, I, am, I was really only mad that they didn't win because I just want in my lifetime to see an Oklahoma State women's team win an NCAA championship, and I think one of them will. But I, I think they have a good shot with Robertson, but the reason I have him this low is part of it he's only been here for a short time, and part of it is match play is such a fickle, fickle, fickle word I'm not going to say on the podcast right now. So I'm, I'm not sure how easy it's going to be to replicate that, but I do think he can replicate Big 12 titles and, and NCAA tournament berth on a regular basis. Absolutely. Rounding out the bottom half of the top 10 is Mike McGraw, who was Mike Holder's successor. There's uh, a shocker if you want a real yeah. shocker on this list. Yes. When you actually look at the accomplishments of Mike McGraw, probably warrants a top five hire, but he, <laughs> he got fired. So it is, and he got fired after the only season that Oklahoma State did not make the NCAA tournament at all. So was it that year he got fired, or was I it the year after he, that he got fired? I think it was that year. It might have been. I think because I thought you mentioned that off air, so I thought that was where we were rolling with it. But either way, like it's it's weird because the accomplishments in the middle of his tenure were so great that it probably warrants top five. But I think when you get fired that limit that like i don't think you deserve to be in the top five so here's a little comparison for you and bratton is higher on this list shocker i know well let me compare to you because both guys were the head coach for eight seasons now bratton had one his season one of his seasons cut short due to covid right so that's not his fault let me compare to you what these two did both have a national championship both have a national runner-up McGraw has five Big 12 titles to Bratton's two. McGraw had four individual Big 12 championship champs compared to two for Bratton. Now, Bratton has won six out of seven regionals that Oklahoma State has competed in. Now, I can't find the numbers for how many regionals that Mike McGraw won, but they've got 15. I don't think McGraw won as many regionals. So that's, that, that does go in Alan Bratton's favor. And uh, as far as match play goes, I think they've been a little bit better under Bratton. I think it's still been pretty wishy-washy. They both had the same number of like stroke play finish in the top during the match play era. McGraw's got more trophies than Bratton does, which is not something I really realized or thought was accurate until we went back and looked. They won five straight Big 12 team titles. Bratton's done a Darn good job. And I think it is harder to win a championship now in the match play era than it was in the stroke play era. So I think Bratton's national championship and runner-up weighs a little bit more because of that, because of how match play is just a great equalizer. But they both have a title and they both have a runner-up. So Bratton is obviously higher. McGraw obviously got fired. McGraw is the only men's golf coach to ever miss the NCAA tournament at all one time. So he's going to be in the top 10. He's going to be this, uh, this feels like the right spot for him, but I mean, 
it makes sense that he's here despite his accomplishment, but also it, it makes sense for why he's here. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, when you actually look between the two, you're kind of splitting hairs, but I agree with you. I think, and we'll talk about Bratton later, but I do think the match play national championship and match play runner-up, you know, and I think it does weigh, I think the weight of it is a little bit heavier than Michael Gall's national championship. Moving on to number five, and it's Josh Holiday of the men's baseball team. And, I mean, he has made Oklahoma State a consistent program where you know year in, year out, you're going to get to regionals, and there's a decent chance, you know, once every couple of years, you're going to get to Supers with a chance to go to the College World Series. Been to the College World Series once uh, in 2016. Uh, came within probably two innings of going to the College World Series back in 2019 of that team that went to, to Lubbock and that back and forth game in game three. Mm. And yeah, still still frustrating. But like I said, when you're when you are consistently going to regionals every year as a one or two seed or you're hosting, you're a really, really good college baseball program across the board. And that's what and that's what Oklahoma State is. And when you think about what he was recruiting to in one of the worst facilities in all of college baseball, Tally P and able to get some of the top some really fantastic, talented players and get them come to Oklahoma State and then turn them into big leaders. And now you have O'Brate Stadium where you take those recruiting abilities and player development abilities that he and the staff have. It's like Trey Cobb said it the day that O'Brate was announced. They're going to buy, you're going to need to buy real estate in Omaha. Oklahoma State will be there a lot. This year was defined by injuries but this team was still incredibly talented and really good. And we're still able to get to regionals despite all of that. So I, th- I think having him five on this list is, is pretty solid. He is 321.75 and two all-time at Oklahoma State. He's got three Big 12 titles, two conference tournaments, one regular season, three Super Regionals and a College World Series berth. He has made the NCAA Regionals every single year. Even the wild, crazy 2018 season when I'm sorry, 2017 season when they were bad, they still won the Big 12 tournament. It's the only eighth seed to ever do so, and then go to a regional. They've never missed regionals the entire time he's been there. I know there's some cool stats about teams who've made the College World Series three and five and whatever years in a row. They don't miss the postseason. He finishes the second place team in Big 12 regular season four times. This season stunk because injuries derailed it. Last season, stuff because COVID derailed what looked like it could be a good season. So they've 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 had two potentially good seasons derailed so far. I think the future is bright. I think O'Brien has a huge impact. I think he's been a dang good hire. And I think Oklahoma State baseball has been. It's not that people didn't care before Holiday got here, but I think people care have cared more since he did. Yeah, I think you can feel the energy in the program is you know very very alive. And I know people like want Oklahoma State to become Vanderbilt, become Arkansas, pick pick a you know school that goes to the College World Series, Arizona. And I think Oklahoma State can be that, but Oklahoma State is years behind them because of the lack of facilities for years and years and years that all of those schools have. And Oklahoma State was still going to the College World Series and going to Super Regionals in spite of all that. So you add the facilities in to what Holiday has already built. And you're going to see Oklahoma State there with those schools 
very often in the future. I'll say this. I feel good about the program under Josh Holiday. I feel like Obrate just opened. Like the, the impact of it is, wasn't going to hit from a recruiting standpoint or anything like that until it opened and people saw it. So we are at the beginning of what should begin the, the best years of, of Holiday Oklahoma State. I think he's another guy that could that might rise on this list, which is already a list at the top that's pretty dang good. I think I think Boyton has a good shot to rise. I think Holiday has a really good shot to rise, and, and, which is going to be tough because some of the names on this list have, have done quite a bit already. But yeah. um, I think there's a lot of potential for Holidays still here at Oklahoma State. Yes, and now going to number four, we went with Kenny Gajewski, and Damn we, straight we did. We, we both we kind of debated back and forth Holiday and Gajewski four five, and it's kind of splitting hits. Like Holiday's been here a little bit longer, but you know they've been you know Gajewski's been to two women's college world series. Holiday's been to one, two super you know two supers and two women's college world series for Gajewski. It's very impressive. Five NCAA tournaments overall in six seasons. But I think what puts Gajewski over the edge is from where what the program was when he got here to where it is now. And I think Holiday is kind of the same way, where the program is when Holiday got here and where it is now, I don't think is as significant. I think Gajewski has turned Oklahoma State into a year in, year out, there's a chance you're going to see them in Oklahoma City. And I think that ascension from where they were when he got here is much more remarkable than Oklahoma State being in Omaha, you know, having the possibility to go to Omaha year in, year out with Josh Holliday. I think the gap and is much more significant with Gajewski that he closed with some of the top programs in the country in just six seasons. And when you think about what he's able to do developmentally with some of his four-year players, like you get a Sidney Pennington, who was a mainstay for four years, but you have Kerry Eberle and Haley Busby, Allison Fiebre, Samantha Shaw. What he has been able to do in the transfer portal in the transfer portal era is remarkable. And he even added someone today, uh, Morgan Day from Illinois State, uh, who struck out 264 batters in 147 innings, or 247 batters in 163. I'm sorry. But he's still doing work in the transfer portal to make this team better now, along with recruiting his ass off and getting some really good four year players. So just like Holiday, Gajewski has never missed postseason play. He's never missed regionals. Oh, of course, 2020, nobody had anything like that. Um, they went from, since he got here in Big 12 play, they've gone from fifth, third, tied for second, second, and second. Um, they've gotten better and better each year. Back-to-back Women's College World Series appearances. Um, yeah, they're one and one. They're two and two overall when they get there, but I think the point of it is as it's just as hard to get to OKC as it is to get to Omaha. And now he's done it in back-to-back years and you feel like you're in a spot with him where you are now expecting that with Oklahoma state baseball, like the expectation is to make regionals and that the expectation is that we can start getting to Omaha more regularly. I think the expectation with Oklahoma state softball now is being a mainstay. It's not just getting there. Like, and they talked about this this year well, during the Bedlam series, how, you know, used to be they were, they were scared of Oklahoma. And then it was like, okay, well, this is just a good opportunity. Now they're like, nah, we're good. We're going to face OU. And that showed. And I, 
I know it's disappointing in Oklahoma city, but I think there's a certain amount of like this program has reached a point where we expect to be there. And now we expect to take the next step, which is to start winning once you're there in Oklahoma city, as opposed to going one and two, you know, quick exits. I think this program is set up for continued success. I mean, it was a big 12 play. They, they lost three games. They went 15 and three. And all three of those weren't losses weren't to OU. I, this program is on the rise and, and it keeps going. It, one of these women's teams has to win an NCAA championship. And I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be soccer. I don't know. I, I would love for it to be. I don't know if it's going to be soccer. Uh, women's tennis has a shot. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I think women's golf can. Softball's hard, man. You saw how good OU was, and they took every game possible to get that that championship. Florida State, you like. I think it's going to take a little bit of either of a magical run because of of the way OSU recruits, and I mean I don't mean that in a bad way, but I think it's going to take a little bit of a magical run. But we just saw what Florida State did this year. They weren't that good, but they did it. They got to that point that they were almost with. They almost got it done. I just. I don't know which team it's going to be, but if you told me it was softball, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I'm with you. And then look at another women's program. We have them at number. We have them at number three. It's Chris Young, women's tennis coach. Been there since 2009. 204 and 97 record. Two Big 12 championships. Eight NCAA tournament boats. Four Sweet 16, and came within a. I believe it was a set of winning yeah. a national championship against Stanford. Yeah, like they, they, yeah. in Tulsa in 2016. Yeah. I read it well. I mean, they, they've been remarkable. One of the best teams in the Big 12 every single year. And we talk, we've mentioned on the show, you've mentioned it ad nauseum, that, and you mentioned it just a couple minutes ago, that eventually a women's team is going to break through and win a national championship for Oklahoma State. I feel like tennis has the best chance of the, the four men with basketball and softball and soccer to where I, I think women's tennis, women's golf as well. I think tennis has the best opportunity, and it's not a knock on the other sports, but I think because Oklahoma State's gotten that close, like they know, he knows how to get them. So we have we've had Chris Young on the show before. I I think he is I think he's wonderful. He's a great guy. I enjoy having him talks to him. I enjoy the fact that he will he will answer my DMs on Twitter and just talk about Oklahoma State because I love talking about the women's teams. I love promoting them. I think it's it's so much fun. Um, I love the job that he has done at Oklahoma State. He's not just the women's head coach. He's also the director of tennis. So he oversees all of tennis at Oklahoma State. So there's the tennis coach. There's also main men's coach as well, but he runs tennis at Oklahoma State, which he should based off what he's done so far. Now they had a bit of a rough year this year, um, which I got stuff because they were 11 and one in 2020 before COVID shut down. That's the one that if you want to know of all the teams where stuff got shut down in Oklahoma state, that irritates me the most. The women's tennis team was 11 and one and was so good. And then COVID shut it down that one. Plus they were supposed to host the NCAA championship back last year. Now 
They've got it on the schedule here. I think it's 2023 or 2024. Stillwater's going to host it. And I, Young, Coach Young told me a lot about what they plan to do and really make it a big deal in Stillwater, bigger than anyone's ever done when the, the NCAA tournament championships there. And I'm, I'm pumped for what they do. I'm so excited. I want to be there in Stillwater when they do that. Like, I'm, I am excited. I I am just have this – and maybe it's because he's been willing to come on the show and maybe it's willing because he, he will talk and chat with me. But, man, I have a strong affinity for Coach Young, and I, I love all the women's teams. If there's one guy uh, as far as the women's head coaches, where I just personally would love to see him win, it's Carmichael and it's Young. And I think you're right. I think the women's tennis program has a real shot to do so. Um, and I think he's going to be here for a long time and have and have more opportunities. Um, he's done a, a a bang up job, an absolute bang up job, and I and I I I want nothing but success for him. Absolutely. Moving into number two, we talked about him earlier, and it's Alan Bratton. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much more do we really need to say? We kind of did the back and forth between him and McGraw, but I like Philip and I mentioned. You know, McGraw won a national championship. Bratton's won one, but Bratton, Bratton won it in the match play era, which is such a difficult thing to do. Match play, you call it the great equalizer. I think it's stupid, but you just, it's frustrating, and I get it. it. It's, yes, it's, it's frustrating. I, Look, I, I understand. I, and I, I don't disagree. Yeah. Because of how many national championships Oklahoma State does not have that they should have based on stroke play, but they don't have because of match play. But I, I, trust me i get it it's good for the sport it's it sucks for Oklahoma state yeah yeah but i i have no argument to have bratton any lower than two i think what he's done for the program and some of the guys that have been able to come through and have success not only at oklahoma state but on the corn Ferry and pga tours like it's becoming like a legitimate factor for and oklahoma state has plenty of guys alumni that are on the tour but when you have guys that are as marketable and young and good as matthew wolf victor hovland then austin eckert who had a really good performance on the corn Ferry tour i believe uh this past weekend you know it's just i he recruits well he does well at the university and he I, he's an alumni as well like, it, that does i think so yeah I- we can quibble over over Bratton, Young, and, and so on and so forth. But when you win a national title, that that matters. Yes. Um, when you have a title and a runner-up and multiple conference titles and regionals, that the, they've uh, it, it makes sense for him here. Yes. Um, you know, we talk about how how impressive it is when somebody builds something up. I don't think we ever give enough credit to something when to a coach when they're able to, to subs- maintain something that is successful. Uh, Holder built the golf program into a beast. McGraw did a, a pretty bang up job until he didn't for one year. And we all know how, you know, <laughs> it, it, Holder's the AD, any other AD, maybe, maybe McGraw is still the athletic or still the head coach, but uh, you know, Holder <laughs> wasn't allowed to happen. And Bratton just picked it right back up and, and it's kept running with it. Um, so it makes sense. He's at two. I would love to see them win another national championship. Maybe they will, but, you know, match play is a – I'm not going to use the word. Match play is bad. Uh, I think people are sitting here who have been listening to this going, okay, wait, who's number one? Yeah, I, I'm this sure guy, that – This guy, I'm, this guy, this guy, this guy. Who's number one? Who's number one? Go ahead. Number one is Dave Smith, 
the cross country coach who Philip mentioned at the beginning of the episode. Uh, He's the head coach of the men's and women's cross-country team at this point. And you're probably wondering, why the heck is the cross-country coach the best hire that Mike Holder has made? It is hard to argue with three national championships. Mm -hmm. There are some other great coaches on this list, but when you have three natties in your bag, that is tough to argue against. I don't care what sport it is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One, three and four years. It's, yeah. So he became, he was an assistant for a couple of years. He became the head coach of the cross country team in 2006. He became the track and field head coach in 2008. And then the director of cross country and track and the men's and women's head coach both track and field and cross country in 2009. and has been that way since to this point. Three national championships, as we mentioned, uh, Big 12 men's cross country coach of the year in 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just like he's won so much. Um, he's got nine Big 12 titles, nine straight from 2008 to 2016 in uh, cross country. I, I, the guy, you get three national championships 2009, 10, and 12. Now, I know it's been a little while, but you won three national championships. Um, they have built the cross country track the course at Oklahoma State to the point that they were able to host the NCAA championship this past year. Um, that that was a big thing that they have put. It's not something that I think people have, have talked a lot about. We haven't talked enough about it here. They decided to build a course that could host an NCAA championship, and they, they got it to the level that they were able to do so. Um, I, he's going to be number one on the list. Like, and you, yeah. If you want to quibble over the fact that it's cross-country, go for it. It will fall on deaf ears – and I will block you on Twitter because I don't care what sport you coach. You win three national championships, you get to be at the top of the list. And again, this isn't saying he's the best coach at, at Oklahoma State. These are holder hires, right? So there's a lot of guys who've come before and, and left, and there's guys who are still coaching who have more national championships. But as far as the guys that Holder has hired during his tenure, no one's had a bigger impact on, on their sport at Oklahoma State during that time than Dave Smith has. I mean, you could argue Dave Smith is to cross country what Mike Holder was to Oklahoma State golf. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a fair assessment. And I mean, I could say it again. It's hard to argue with three national championships. Like, it really, it really, really is. And there are some really good coaches that I think could, as their tenures continue, probably find that top spot at some point. One way or another, whether it's just tenure, run of success, stands, you know, maybe a national championship or two. But right now, as it sits today, as Mike Holder's tenure ends, Dave Smith is number one. Yep. Uh, I believe OSU finished third this year, if I can recall correctly. Um, they've had. Now they had the, the year they didn't win it in that four-year stretch, 9, 10, and 12. They finished runner-up in 11. They were third this year, if I recall. Here's what's crazy. Do you want to know who's won four of the last five? No. Who? Northern, Ari- Northern Arizona. Interesting. So there you go. Okay. Yeah. Take that they as a this year. Fact, By the way, Oklahoma State not only hosted it, uh, the NCAA championship this year, they will host it again in 2022. Very nice. There we go. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of awesome. 
which is kind of nice. I think they finished third. I I'm gonna have to go back and I think that's so, right. I think that's right. They finished third. So I'll, I'll put you on the spot for a second. As it sits, as I mentioned, as it sits today, Dave Smith is the the best hire that Mike Holden made. Hmm. Five years from now, is he still number one? Five years from now? Yeah. So that would require to top him, in my opinion. And we can say championships aren't everything, blah, 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 blah. He's got three national championships. And I don't care if they came. The last one was in 2012. I don't care if, if that was a decade ago. You got three. And you continue to compete at a high enough level that you're finishing in third and fourth place nationally with your team. Um, I think it's going to take somebody winning. I think it's going to take somebody winning either a second one in a sport in a and and maybe but it's going to take somebody with two at least you're going to have to have at least two national championships for me to consider putting you above a guy who has three okay um maybe somebody wins two um maybe maybe uh bratton wins another one right uh maybe kenny Gajewski goes and wins one. Maybe Brad, but if Brad Underwood reaches a final, or not Brad Underwood, sorry, if Mike Boynton reaches a final four in the next five years, does that, should that put him above him? I think it puts him above him, but I think it probably puts him in the top three. That's, that's, that's fine. I mean, you're, yeah. you're going to put him I over who? I, Chris Young? Gajewski? I, I just, some of this stuff at a certain point gets to a level of, we like to put the weight on the sports that we consider the most important mm-hmm. and ignore how hard it is to win in some sports. Yeah. I think with the resources that Oklahoma State men's basketball has, this is not a shot of point in any way, shape, or form. I think it's harder to win. I think it's harder for Jim Littell to win than Boyd Boynton. Um, yeah. I think it's harder to win in women's basketball. If, if Littell took that women's basketball team, and I just say that, if Oklahoma State women's basketball and Jim Littell went to a Final Four, you guys understand how top-heavy women's basketball is in college. If they made a Final Four, he would skyrocket up the list. No doubt. Because of how hard no that doubt. is to do. Yeah. One of the reasons I have Chris Young so high is that when you get to the women's Olympic sports and you go and look at who's won the national championships, you see the same team names over and over and over and over and over and over. Because once teams establish themselves long ago and have become damn good, it's really hard to knock them off their pedestal which is why I put more weight into if you have achieved something awesome in an Olympic sport or women's sport, because it's harder to crack through that. So, that, yeah, I, I guess, do I, I think somebody you. could beat top Dave Smith? Yes. Do I think anyone's going to in the next five years? No. I think of everybody, I think the, person that might have the best chance is Gajewski. I think with just all the momentum the program has right now. And I don't even know if he necessarily has to win a national championship to get near that top spot. Because I think when you consider the school 90 miles to the south and how good they are, if Oklahoma State can win maybe a Big 12, like sneak a Big 12 title away from an OU, and get to the Women's College World Series, say, four out of the next five years, 
which I don't think is that far of a long possibility with the way that the program's trending. And you get to a national championship series with how tough and top-heavy softball is to a certain extent as well, you've cemented yourself as a top six program in the country. I think there is something to be said for that in a sport where it is very difficult to get to that level. Here's the counter-argument I'm going to present you. I told you Oklahoma State finished third in cross-country this year. Yeah. This is this entire argument is ignoring the possibility that Dan Smith wins another men's cross country That's national also fair. That's time. also fair. Yeah, because if he wins a fourth one, yeah, of this list, of this list, if he were to win a fourth one, it's going to take. Um, this is what I'm going to say: if he wins a fourth one, it's going to take a softball, baseball, basketball, or a football championship to top it. Yeah. Because we know it can be done in golf as difficult as it is. I think it's going to take one of those where, like, it's damn hard to do it when you're not a blue blood. Um, if he wins a fourth one, good luck. Yeah. To everybody. I, good luck to everybody. Thank you for coming. It's great. Pick up your uh, your party favors on the way out the door. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, you know, for the for argument's sake, I was not considering that. But uh, that right. is a, no, and I, and, I, and I realize that. Valid airport. Yeah. Like, there's no reason to say he can't win another one. And he said, yeah. well, he hasn't in a decade. Okay. Yeah. They finished third this year. Like, they're not far off. That's, that's, that's not 10th. That's not 12th. That's third. How do you name a national champion in cross country? Um, it's based is it, off. It's, is it it's a, a low point? point score. No, so it's a low score. So basically, you I forget how many runners you have going at one time, but if if you have the most runners finish the fastest, you're the best. Okay, so it is based it's, on like how you finish and not okay. It, so you have it's kind of like golf. You have individual champions. So whoever wins, the first person across is the individual, and the team is whoever's going to have the most runners across the fastest. Okay. Fair enough. So, it, like, like any other, like, kind of like golf, you can have an individual, but you also have a team score. Because when I was thinking about this, I'm like, how the hell do you? I was saying, is it just the team that has the fact? That makes sense. My yeah. my inclination was correct, but it sounded dumb in my head, so I didn't want to say it. But here we are. I think there's, I, I I think there's there's a scoring method. I don't I don't entirely know. I don't know if it's based off of like place of finish or something like that. Because it's there's point totals awarded, so it's not like. It's not time. There's a point total awarded. My guess is the point total is based off of placing where you, you play, your runners finish. Okay. So if you finished first, you know, I think it's a cumulative thing like that. I cool. don't know that for sure. Don't ask me to explain that. I am not a cross-country expert. I just know that it is a, it's a lowest score. Again, like golf, wins. Fair enough. Okay. Um. Do you have any final thoughts here, whether regarding maybe our list or anything else Oklahoma State related before we get out of here? No, this feels good. Um, again, if we'll make sure that, uh, that Micah and whoever's running the Twitter account that day posts the list on there. Um, so go comment. Let us know what you think. You can hit us both up in the DMs. You can DM CRFF. We're happy to comment and debate. If someone's got a, a real bone to pick, um, uh, a bring it. <laughs> I think it's a good list. I, I do. I, think I can understand some people are going to have some complaints about some things. I, I, I always challenge everyone. 
are you giving more weight to certain teams because they're the teams you to, to the sports that you think are more important? Uh, and so thus you want to diminish the achievements of other sports you view as less important. Right. right. That yeah. is where I feel like most of the arguments are going to come in if you're going to complain about Boynton being that low or Holiday being in fifth or under or Bratton being in second behind Dave Smith. Like, uh, also don't have a what have you done for me lately mentality because, yeah, Dave Smith's last title came a decade ago. I don't care. He's still got hired by Holiday and he's still there. Hold it, not Holiday. Hold it. Yeah, we've had too many names going. I'm, I'm, that's, I'm, fair. that's fair. I'm I named think. out. I'm named yeah. out. All right. Well, follow Philip at OKTXAR Poke. Follow his show, the 1012 Podcast. What, what's your, a mid, do you have a midweek episode this week or is it just, well, give, yeah, give us a little it'll preview. be up, but it should be already be up. Okay, um, cool. It should already be up. The episode will be a combination of we are doing our Big 12 Dream Road Trip and picking which uh, which games I want to go to every week this season if money was no concern. Uh, Elisa Woods of the Title Night Podcast, which is another Iowa State podcast, is joining me. And they're having a little, um, I don't know, esoteric conversation about Texas um, with, with Rocky Osborne of Fire the Cannon. Uh, and about how do you how do you gauge success when football sucks, but you've won three national championships this year in other sports and have a national runner-up? Good enough. I like it. Uh, you can follow me at JT Penfield. Uh, be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. Any Royals fans out there, follow at Royals Farm. Uh, we're less than a month away from uh, the Royals selecting Kumar Rocker number seven overall in the MLB draft, and that's pretty exciting for me. Uh, and I'll actually be in Omaha on Saturday for the, the Vanderbilt, Arizona game with my buddy Alex, who I do that podcast with. I get to watch Kumar Rocker live. Uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, fall, I'm sure I'll be tweeting about it. There's going to be pictures. If for whatever reason, any listeners are there, hit me up. I might buy you a beer. Uh, but yeah. Who wins? Let's do, let's do this real quick. Who, who um, wins the College World Series? To me, and the, the, this is a general baseball thing, I think pitching always wins out no matter who you are, no matter how good your, your bats are. You have to be able to hit the ball. Best pitching usually will win out. And when you have Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker, it's going to be really tough to beat Vanderbilt. Now, baseball is a wild and weird sport, especially when you get to the College World Series, because there are years where, yes, like a Vanderbilt, a top-end team wins. But then you have weird years that Coastal Carolina goes and wins the national championship. So... Yeah, I can see both sides of it, but I have a really, really hard time betting against Vanderbilt, especially with the way that they're playing right now. I don't disagree with you, but I don't want to pick the same team as you because that's not fun. So, oh, God, I hate picking an SEC team too, but. Mississippi State can get sneaky too. That's, well, I'm torn between them and Tennessee. Um, I have a bad feeling. Tennessee gave Arkansas all they could handle when they played. I think Tennessee was pretty dang good. I, I will uh, say this. If, if, all, if Mississippi State is winning at the end of a game and Landon Sims comes in, it's over. And I'm going to take can't. Mississippi State. I'm going to take Mississippi State. I hate okay. doing it, but I'm going to take Mississippi State. Yeah. That's what I'm going to take. I, I, all SEC, national championship, whatever, it's whatever, but a Vandy Mississippi <sighs> I know, but a Vandy Mississippi State series would be so good. It would uh, be, that's a two or three. It'd be really good. We'll uh, find out. Like I said, I'm going to be in, in Omaha. I'm really excited. My buddy and I planned the trip. We're recording Wednesday. We, record, we planned the trip about 
four hours again. So we're, <laughs> <laughs> we're excited. And it's going to be a ton of fun. We will talk to you all next week. We said, Philip and I have two episodes left. We're going to make the most of them. And uh, hopefully the, the plan that we have for next week works out. If not, it's going to be an hour of us rambling, which, I mean, we've done that for three years and you guys listen to it. So it's not going to be that much different. We'll talk to you all later.